0: connection podcast network listeners welcome inside the wrestling Warzone zone modern wars podcast retrospective series i am gt and joining me as ever is my partner chad chad how are you doing good how's it going not too bad uh that's it. i'm spending my final hours of uh, 41 with you not the time date this yeah but
1: yeah. yeah i know the big uh 42 man
0: you're getting old oh, fuck like i think when i You know, I used to troll the shit out of Scott. Oh, yeah. 42 seemed like forever away. (laughs) It's hilariously
1: funny. When you started PTB, you were trolling him, and he was 37,
0: right? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, the good thing is, they'll still always be like seven years older than me, so at least I got that. Sure. Yeah, it's all right. I feel okay. I feel all right. It looks, I feel like the number looks older than you feel at 42. Like, it's like, I don't feel that bad, and then when I see it written... It's like, oh shit, like 42. That is old. Well, how'd
1: you feel at 36? Because I'm starting to feel the transition from, I'd say, like age 34 to 36 hasn't been very kind for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you've had a lot going on. Body wise, hair wise. Right. Like, I was looking at a picture the other day. And my hair's gotten
0: so much grayer in just like five years. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's the kids. But, um, yeah. I, I would say, uh, yeah mid 30s i think a little bit and i think late 30s actually was actually my that was like my peak <laughs> i was like that went quick covid covid pushed me over the edge quickly with 40 um but i, th- I think you're gonna get a little bounce as you hit your late 30s you start to feel yeah because
1: just i mean this is the first time where like whether it's live stuff or just whatever age father time but like you know, it's tougher sleeping, like I'm waking up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night, like that started happening, and then sometimes just in
0: general,
1: like if I, like even like tonight, I'm going to sit in the same chair while we record the podcast. Oh yeah,
0: you'll be stiff when I get old. up
1: Yeah, when I get up, the back's a little stiff, you know, you kind of have to
0: mm-hmm. shake the, shake the legs out a little bit, which is weird, so. Yeah, yeah, you just get tired, more tired too, like I get more tired overall. Um, yeah tip you know it hit me today i'm like for the first i mean it's probably been this way for a couple of years realistically but you start to think at 42 it's like okay you can really say you're like legitimately halfway through your life now yeah like, probably you know I mean? that i think that's what the most before you know yeah even if you're doing a little bit
1: better in life expectancy you know right. yeah yeah.
0: So it feels like, you know, think it gets 80, 84, like it's a pretty good run. So, you are oh, You know, you know, <laughs> feel like you're you're halfway through, like which I think to me is like the scariest part. It's like, oh yeah sure. Like you know. Anyway. Wow. We're uh, more than halfway through WCW's life <laughs> at this point. <laughs> great 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 Tell them to start the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. Well, uh tonight we are uh, going to talk WCW exclusively. Because we are on yeah. World War III, 1996, our November pay-per-view. Uh, but any news and notes from around wrestling before we dive into this? No,
1: nothing big. Still kind of just the fallout from uh, Perfect Leaving. That was one of the big ones. And then this show. But otherwise, it was a, a fairly quiet week, I would say, for general Just crazy for
0: how much was going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. So
1: we're kind of at a little bit of a reprieve. I mean, the main stuff's over, like, you know, perfect's been signed or perfect's left. And then, um, uh, you got Piper signed. So that's done. So yeah, a lot of the big stuff. Savage we've been is, looking the, at is the our... last, Savage is the last really one. And there wasn't, I didn't see much in him. I mean, there was the stuff about like, uh, Bischoff turning heel. So he talked about that, but, that was more storyline based
0: right. So. all right and why don't we go ahead and dive in uh, November 24th 1996 from the Norfolk scope in Norfolk Virginia pretty much a WCW Crockett you know homestead for the most part so it's a pretty fitting venue for a major WCW pay for you Chad um, that said why don't you uh, take it away?
1: Yeah I mean this was their fourth pay-per-view they it was uh, world war 395 and then two starcades but uh <clears throat> we start off with a very generic opening that promotes the battle royal and then you just get like quick hits on malico versus psychosis was the first match they put up which was weird uh french canadians versus Harlem heat giant versus Jarrett, mcpatrick versus jericho a triple threat tag team title match and then that's it they head to the arena where pyro comes off so i i don't know nothing this was a bad month for opening pay-per-view video yeah i
0: thought thought this was pretty lame it was uh just basic i I don't wcw seemed to trend toward that where they just ran down the card it's like you know we've already ordered it like we kind of know the card it's we're here i guess if you're ordering on a whim maybe but (laughs) i don't see the benefit to just running down the card on opening video like get me excited for the show. That's the point of the opening video is to get you fired up to watch more than anything else. So, right. Uh,
1: So then our, it's our usual pay-per-view announced team. It's Tony, Bobby and Dusty. Uh, Bobby promotes battle Royal says he's wanting to see what Piper does when he confronts Hogan, a big weasel champ from the crowd. Then Dusty says that Piper picked this opportunity to pick a fight. And will you step up to the plate Hogan and accept the challenge? So, Again, kind of pretty generic table setting stuff there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that leads us right to our opener, which is for the, I don't know, what did they say? Like the J Championship? <laughs> it's for the J. I think Prime it's right. titles.
0: Yeah, it's all the belts are on the line. Yeah, here, pretty yeah, much. All eight. Dragons, belts. eight titles. Yeah. Right. So it's the Ultimo Dragon versus Rey
1: Mysterio Jr. Still can't decide whether they're going to call them Ultimo or Ultimate. So it varies, but.
0: I do have the, uh, the titles. Do you want me to read them to you? Yeah, up the J the J Crown. It's it's called the J Crown, J Crown right. Unified Championship. Formed originally by New Japan as a way to unify the eight Junior Heavyweight Cruiserweight titles around several different organizations. It includes the British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Championship from Michinoku Pro Wrestling. Yeah,
1: that's the that's the big uh, Michinoku Pro belt actually for their existence. Yeah,
0: the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship from New Japan. Right,
1: which is the big junior title for New Japan.
0: The NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship from the NWA.
1: Which is pretty much worthless at this point, but there you go.
0: The NWA World Welterweight Championship from Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre, CMLL. Yep,
1: that's CMLL, which is... Uh, titles in Mexico are a little weird, but yeah, I mean, that was still a, a bonafiable... There's a great uh, Ultimo Dragon versus Negro Casas match from... I think actually 93 in Mexico. So there you go.
0: Uh, We also have the UWA world junior late heavyweight championship from the universal wrestling association slash Mitch pro. Yeah. The war international junior heavyweight championship from wrestle association R. And war was
1: uh, pretty much on its last legs. I think it lasted for maybe like a year after this, but Tenryu was, you know, he was still hanging out in uh, in New Japan from time to time. And I, I would say the big thing from war was uh, in the beginning;
0: it was war versus New Japan. Like that yeah. was a huge. Uh, that's the original.
1: Feud.
0: That's like the NWO angle, right? That the, no, one that's the that angle one. is that the one that Bischoff saw that led to the NWO. Is that it? that's the that's actually why
1: war is getting phased down because the angles uwfi versus oh, okay. new japan that's okay. the one that's like the genesis for the nwo starts in 95 and once that happened where they transitioned from the war angle which the war angle was already like tempered down and 94 was like the the main uh pivot point for that but yeah by 95 when they went to uwfi versus new japan it had takata uh, versus Mudo at the 10 9 Dome Show, I think. That's that's really when war was struggling. So it's limping to the end.
0: All right. WWA World Junior Late Heavyweight Championship for the World Wrestling Association. Yeah. <laughs> And then the uh, most interesting of the bunch, the World Wrestling Federation Late Heavyweight
1: Championship.
0: Yes. yes, WWF, Mishinoko Pro, New Japan. So, this is the belt from the 80s, right? That was still lingering yeah. around Japan.
1: Yeah, this is
0: the Dynamite Kid,
1: uh, Tiger Mask, uh, even Tatsumi Fujinami when he was on the MSG shows defending it. So, yeah, that's one. That's that one still banging around.
0: Uh, So those are the eight titles. The original belt holder was great. Sasuke. He won it in Tokyo, defeated Ultimo dragon in a tournament final dragon defeated him two months later on October 11th at the Osaka crush night in Osaka. He then would lose to Jushin Thunder Liger on January 4th show at the Tokyo dome. Um, And then El Samurai won it in July Otani wins it in August, and then they deactivate it when the WF demanded Otani return the light heavyweight belt to them because they were reunited in the division. They wanted it back. So Otani gave the rest back as well, (laughs) except for the uh, WGP. Um, It's just crazy to me that, like, I mean, it's WCW. The WF belt is part of this thing that Dragon's carrying around. And it's never really mentioned. Like, it's surprising to me that Bischoff didn't make digs about this maybe he was afraid of lawsuit stuff but you think he would have like taken a shot at that there's a wf title being held by a wcw wrestler um it's also interesting that like in july by that point like the Michinoku guys are in the wf and their belts are all part of this j crown as well but i guess dragon was done with it by then so it's not like it's on wcw tv anymore but anyway it's interesting this sneaky little cross promotion stuff going on right here
1: so sasuke in the finale like the august match when he wins um it's kind of incredible like he has a brain injury right and he still wins uh it's pretty crazy um so yeah it was great that's a great show like if you ever want to watch it but it's it's insane like when he lands right on his head it's it's very
0: scary Ugh. Well, there's your history of the uh, J-Crown to set up this match. Uh, yeah. Ray Mysterio is trying to win it.
1: Uh, so Mark Curtis is the referee. Matt works to start. Dragon works the arm, locking in an arm bar. Ray responds by going after the leg. Scoop slam for Dragon gets an early two count. They do a mirror sequence uh, for both where Dusty says they're flip-flopping in a flying uh dragon then does a series of kicks bobby talks about demon linko being his uh battle royal pick i, I mean he was stomping very hard for demon linko around this time yes yes it's, it's interesting dragon uses Florida springboard thing maybe you think didn't he like maybe. And stuff yeah. maybe uh dragon uses springboard drop kicks in ray to the floor dragon then uh tries to suplex ray in but ray, ray reverses it and uh, they do a series of reversal with dragon hitting the nasty german suplex Ray then gets flung uh, up to the roof of the arena in a nasty spot. Big kicks from Ultimo to the back. He continues to crank the back. Backbreaker, half crab, nasty power bomb, giant swing, uh, getting a great reaction from the crowd. Dragon's dizzy uh, after the giant swing, and I thought that was like a good time where like the crowd out like audibly laughs when the Dragon staggers after being dizzy. But it works for what the confines of the match were. <laughs> A fisherman suplex gets two. Nasty brain buster gets two. Dragon is becoming more arrogant with his covers. Uh, I thought Bobby did a good job talking about the head and back psychology that Dragon's uh, focusing on versus Ray. A small package by Ray out of a suplex attempt to give him a little bit of a hope spot. But then Dragon goes back and does a jumping tombstone that looked completely nasty. Drop kick sends Ray back to the outside. Ray fakes a dive, but then, uh, oh no, Dragon fakes a dive, but then he uh, dives out towards Ray. Ray gets into the guardrail. Dragon picks him up, the tombstones him on the outside, uh, follows that up with a cross body to the floor. So, I mean, he's just killing Ray throughout this match. Mm-hmm. Just uh, a very honed in attack, uh, very vicious. I will say the aesthetics of this show, which we talked about, like it's, it's triple ring. And yep. in, in this particular case, it looks a little awkward where like he's doing all these high flying moves right behind the announcer's back. Like they're just watching yeah. the monitor. It looks weird. Top row Rana from Dragon gets another two. He's starting to get more and more frustrated. Running power bomb gets ooze and alls for the crowd and another near fall. Running charge and Ray's able to get his foot up. Then he hits his triple jump mm-hmm. moonsault for two. He flips over, hits a springboard drop kick. Ultimo's on the outside. Ray does a front somersault dive. Crowd's up for that as well. Ray rolls him back in. It's a springboard sunset flip for two. Ultimo gets a roll up. Then Ray gets a Rana. So we're exchanging a lot of uh, flash near falls now. A couple of forearm shots and Dragonlock send the Dragon suplex for another two count. Dragon looks for a power bomb, but Ray rolls through for a two count. Ray goes for his Rana, but Dragon sends him off the ropes and into another nasty power bomb to get the win. So, so this is actually a, a pretty interesting match. <clears throat> I would say this match has a pretty good cult following, actually, on um, the more like hardcore message boards, which you might not know, but like on um, PWO and Death Valley Driver, mm-hmm. uh, this this one's always one that's been like resonated. And in fact, uh, John D. Williams, J.D.W., uh, Parv's arch nemesis, uh, when he did his top, uh, when Death Valley Driver was doing their top WCW matches of the 1990s, and John did his pimpin' post on the Death Valley Driver, you know, very historic, you know, post for internet message boards, uh, he actually had this match number one, period on uh, all wcw matches from the 90s so so i think i think it's an i think it's a great match to watch um I, I i think you can see how like it's a good template match to see what the state of the art action looked like at the time but there was also psychology seeped in uh and i i think this is a good resume builder if you want to say ray mysterio is one of the you know if he's the wrestler of the year for 1996 which i'd say he's a contender uh, this is a good resume builder, but it's also a very important match for, for Dragon. I mean, Dragon, I think somebody that, from like the real nerdy, hardcore perspective of PWO, Death Alley Driver, he's someone that can be hit or miss. He can be a little inconsistent. Everything he did here looked very vicious. Like He's someone that also has some very awkward spots, like we know that WrestleMania 20, but even before that. Um, and here, he was on point. Like This is about as good as Dragon looks, ever. Uh, so he's right at his peak here. Ray's amazing. I think this is just a great cruiserweight match. I mean, it's it's one of those matches, I think, like Hillman versus Liger from Super Brawl. If you look at it in 2022's eyes, and you look at stuff on like Dynamite or whatever, when they have Young Bucks, six-man tags, and stuff like that, like, okay, the action may not be as ferocious as what it was. Right. But again, like this set of template, and I mean, this was a highly uh, integrative match to keep that style going that eventually is the style that's being presented in most matches today. So I, I like this match a lot. I mean, I, I go back and forth usually between this and the Psychosis versus Ray opener for Bash at the Beach and my favorite Ray Mysterio 1996 ww match i think i'm leaning ray versus psychosis but um thought this was a super great opener too i went four and a quarter stars and 8.3 out of 10 on the uh, 10 star scale
0: yeah i went four and a quarter as well uh fantastic match i like throughout bobby's like talking up sonny Ono. i think that was like a cool little nod to their relationship in late 95 so that was kind of neat um dragons is really good at mixing in stuff like limb work while also breaking out just like this power offense as well and having a guy like ray that can get snapped and thrown around by him lets him show a lot of that off like so that snap power bomb into a deadlift into a sun gun was nasty and then all through between the bombs and the big spots he's just banging on the leg so Hits the leg, boom, big spot, back to the leg. That'd be another big spot. Uh, The tombstone was really good. The tombstone on the floor is really good. Uh, The slingshot splash to the floor looked great. Like, Ray was just taking a shit-kicking, and it felt like it. You don't usually get that vibe from, like, cruiserweight matches where it feels like heavy offense. I think the guy that usually feels the most from it would be, like, a Rob Van Dam, where he's in the air a lot aerial stuff, but it feels hard and heavy. Like his frog splash feels heavy and like Ultimo's offense feels that way as well, where everything like hits hard um, and feels powerful. So even though it's a lot of cruiser type stuff, it still feels impactful. Um, You know, Ray goes to the air late and then Dragon gets a really nice finish with the slingshot power bomb. So I don't want to say it was like a squash, but in many ways it, it, you know, Dragon really dominated the bulk of the match, which was fine. Um, I think it was presented well that way. It was a great opener. It was crisp. It was clean. Again, a lot of snap power, hard-hitting offense. Just a perfect blend. And it kept moving, but it wasn't a spot fast. Like, just everything hit heavy. Uh, both guys are f- phenomenal, and they really showed out here. I love that they opened the show with it. I think it's a perfect spot for it, as we saw, like you mentioned, with Reigns and as well. Uh, I went four and a quarter here, like I mentioned. Uh, just a great way to start the show.
1: All right, so really good opener. I mean, you you look at the, like the series of openers that we've gotten on these shows, and pretty impressive. Like mm-hmm. you have the two Dean versus Ray matches, and then Ray versus Psychosis, Ray versus Ultimo. I mean, that's that's a pretty hefty resume for Ray, right? He has those four matches. So
0: yeah, and they're using these guys the right way, like. We yep. haven't seen as much on Nitro yet. Um, I think there's been less of it there, but on pay-per-view, they've definitely been leaning on the Cruiserweights to get the show started. Yeah.
1: Uh, Gene Okerlund does an interview with Dallas Page. First, though, he shows the website. Uh, he lets us know there's play-by-play at the pay-per-view with uh, Mark Madden. Uh, apparently, they had 8,000 slots open, so you, you could go to the website. Better get in. Better get in. Yeah, get one of those... Uh, 8,000 slots Uh, so then Paige comes in Gene's asking about his recruitment to the NWO Uh, Dallas says everybody wants a piece of the best the diamond cutter is the best finisher in the business right now then Gene transitions to talk about Bischoff apparently there was some interaction that happened on WCW Saturday night uh, Dallas says he doesn't care about Bischoff right now. It doesn't affect him. What does affect him is the Battle Royal. It wasn't that long ago he shot the world by winning Battle Bowl. He'll do that again tonight. Bang. So I thought that was a pretty good promo. Again, from Dallas. And uh, he's really getting integrated in the, you know, the upper mid-card now from where mm-hmm. he's at. So that was fun to watch.
0: Well, it's been a good combo of like his matches are better his promos are better and they're linking him with the nwo which is by default making him feel like a bigger deal too uh gene gene compares the nwo recruiting him to nebraska recruiting football players yeah it was just dated it was funny um and i also like at the end gene realizes that Paige dodged the question again as he's leaving he's like wait a minute Mm -hmm. you didn't answer me again uh and i think the bischoff turn helps this story become a little less clunky i think what they've been hinting at right was that we couldn't risk the NWO couldn't risk having page join because they didn't want to blow up the Bischoff connection right. and make it obvious. Right. That's kind of the story. Right. It's just been, they it's almost like they started a couple weeks too early. Cause it was like so vague that it was kind of confusing. But I think as it's becoming more clear now, what they were trying to tell page was we wanted you all along, but because you're tight with Bischoff, we had to play it safe. But Hey, now, like now we want you, like you should have been with us all along. We just couldn't and he
1: yeah
0: page is like well fuck you like if i wasn't good enough to be one of your first guys i don't want i don't want in like that's kind of where we're at right
1: yeah though, like you don't get it means like page is not putting the pieces together too that like bischoff was with him. so right yeah that's good see how it continues to develop uh then we get to a match that you know we've been talking about a lot uh nick patrick versus chris jericho uh patrick i thought looked pretty hilarious when he comes out uh he's channeling his dad the assassin with his uh robe and neck brace uh looks pretty hilarious teddy longs of course with jericho tony talks about how uh, nick patrick did do some junior wrestling early on was a junior wrestling heavyweight contender or championship contender uh bobby says he's not sure if nick patrick's a member of the nwo and bobby had told our uh Tony and Dusty absolutely lose their mind. <laughs> Bobby said that. It was very funny. Uh, Jericho gets his arm tied. Bobby says, Teddy's big mouth got Jericho into this. And uh, Tony actually agrees with that. And uh, Teddy and Nick Patrick are yelling at each other. Patrick says, Teddy needs to get a towel for his boy. Uh, Patrick shoves Jericho, Jericho shoves him back to a big pop, Hard drag, as Patrick says, hang on there, mister, and Patrick flees the outside, we get a big Patrick sucks chant, come back in, Jericho does the hammerlock, sends Patrick out again, another hip toss, uh, so this this is where this match becomes very repetitive, there's a lot of Patrick fleeing to the floor here, um, I mean, it's it's okay, but, it gets very repetitive. Like, the first mm. one got a real big pop, and then it was the law of diminishing returns. Uh, Patrick shoves Teddy on the outside. Teddy shoves him back. Jericho kicks away. They exchange some slaps and again sends Patrick to the outside. Jericho follows and sends it back in. line by Jericho, Patrick's finally able to take advantage when they're on the outside again. He starts working over the arm of Jericho. I uh, thought he actually had some pretty good punches in the corner. Uh, he celebrates big at those. He whips Jericho into the corner but catches a big boot coming in. Jericho rams his head ten times into the corner. Back body drop by Jericho. Patrick goes outside once more. Uh, Jericho then gets kicked uh, when he rolls back in because Patrick was the first one in. But uh, Patrick hits a flying forearm, scales to the top rope, gets slung off of that. And then Jericho is able to hit the super kick for the win. So, like I said, I mean, I think my description of this match is pretty pretty brief uh but there was a lot of stalling i'm usually pretty forgiving of stalling and this i mean this was a gimmick shtick match i don't think this went like way overboard and way too long that it like drug down the whole show probably went like two minutes too long for me i think it's like eight minutes as a match it probably should have been like six right um otherwise i did not have much problem with it like i did not think it was one of those situations where patrick got too much offense in on jericho i thought that ratio was pretty appropriate and you know I, we talked about it like i'm just ready to be done with it like hopefully this is the end of it it definitely should be the end of jericho's involvement in it he should be more advanced than this um so you know hopefully this is kind of the end of that portion of it we can move on as a match it was fine i went two and a quarter
0: yeah i gave it two stars um i like patrick's gear It looked pretty cool he's got the neck mm-hmm. brace the fist tape, the boxing robe, the ref black and white, like it, it was a cool look. Um, you know, I was interested here, about his history as a worker, like that, that was cool. Like you talked about top junior title contender. Uh, and then, you know, this God, Albatross, Teddy long, just hanging around Jericho's <laughs> neck here. Um, you know, the, I, I thought Dusty made a good point during the match talks about Jericho. Like he wouldn't want to have his hands tied up with the NWO lurking around. So I thought that was right. a cool point talking about that um you know tony keeps saying it's interesting that patrick isn't showing any neck pain throughout this match uh, mm-hmm. a lot of arm work obviously you know with one arm i thought jericho you know put out a pretty good clinic of how to wrestle with one arm like i thought it was interesting i didn't feel like too forced like you said uh You know, Jericho banging his free arm into the post was a good way for Patrick to briefly take over. But like you said, he really doesn't get much offense in. So even with the one arm, Jericho still whipping his ass. Um, And then the comeback I thought was pretty hot. So I I thought this was to me was like a poor man's blindfold match in WrestleMania seven, uh, where it was like just a great performance art by Jericho, like just out there working with one arm. I thought it showed how good of a worker he was. And Patrick is a fine heel stooge. Um, I was really happy that they didn't have Jericho get screwed and loose. Like, you know, he needed the win. He needs to get out of here. He needs to get the fuck away from Teddy Long, <laughs> get away from Patrick, get away from the lawyer. Like, just get out of this low-card garbage. Uh, so he definitely is ready to move up the card. And I was fearful. I thought for sure we were going to get something screwy where Patrick steals the win and we continue. So I was glad that it went straight jericho beats his ass and moves on so that that's what he needed to do teddy can still feud with nick whatever but let's get let's get jericho out of here
1: all right so we'll move on i mean uh so i'm gonna mention Meltzer's ratings probably more than usual on this show just because of, to me they're all over the place uh he gave this match a star and a quarter which is a funny rating mm-hmm. gave the opener four and a half um but we'll get to it. I, I disagree with a lot of Meltzer's ratings going forward. So right. we'll, we'll we'll see where I land compared to you against him. Uh, back to the website, Bagwell's doing a chat. Madden's in the background doing the play-by-play. Uh, then we'll get a Ric Flair interview with Mean Gene. Gene says a lot of questions are being asked about him. Flair says we're in for Virginia and we are live uh the theme of the event tonight is world war three but in reality it's wcw on tour uh, that didn't make much sense to me but okay uh flair wants to make it clear that nwo and hogan are entitled to walk their own way of life but when it comes to wrestlers like flair anderson stinger luger steiners benoit mongo we represent wcw even though he's uh, incapacitated, he promised you that the wrestling public that before it's all said and done, he'll be back again, walking the aisle, and the NWO will belong to WCW. So I, I you know, I thought this was one of those weird promos. I mean, this was like a roll out of bed flare promo. Yeah, where he's a he's a long way from coming back. Um, so he don't have much to say. Like he's not too much embedded in a in a uh, angle right now besides giving his endorsement to Jarrett and even with that that kind of tempered that down in the last couple of weeks so I mean it was fine like it's always it's layer so it's entertaining but it was it was a little weird
0: yeah it was it was fine I think they're just trying to do whatever they can to keep him in- involved you know and on TV so whatever it takes to get him out there it's a major pay-per-view <laughs> trying to keep him lingering on so I think it I think it makes sense to present him that way, but yeah, it's uh, he definitely seems a little bit lost right this second.
1: Uh, that does lead us into a return match from Halloween Havoc. Jeff Jarrett versus the Giant. Giant comes out with the U.S. Championship belt. Tony lets us know that it's been more than 30 days since Blair defended that title, so he is stripped of the U.S. Championship, uh, but Giant's not the holder either. He just has the belt. Uh, Jarrett yeah, I stole it. Uh Jarrett has a lot of pyro. Jarrett fires away with punches. Giant's kind of teetering on the ropes. Giant tosses him hard to the mat. Uh, Jarrett tux- ducks a huge punch from the Giant. He's stalking uh, Jarrett. and Jarrett's kind of using this speed, sticking and moving. Uh, Jarrett jumps up in the corner, but then gets shoved off in another huge clothesline from the Giant. Giant misses a splash in the corner. Jarrett follows with a drop kick. Uh, giant. Gets his boot up when Jarrett rushes in and he stomps down on Jarrett. Big slam from the Giant. Uh, Tony talks about, like, why the Giant joined the NWO and that that was the promise of Hogan uh, giving him movie roles and whatnot and actually mentions that, like, Jingle All the Way is coming out in the theaters and the Giant has a role in that movie. Uh, big elbow from the Giant. He steps over him, does, the like, Andre the Giant walk over him. Uh, giant hits a big forearm. The crowd starts stirring. You see Sting walking around the catwalk. Dusty says he needs to come on down here and get some. Big boot from the Giant. Leg drop from the Giant. As Sting leaves the catwalk. Backbreaker from the Giant. Now Sting's like walking down towards the ringside area. Giant misses a second rope splash. Jarrett gets a splash, gets a two count. Giant misses a charge and spills over the top rope into the floor. And uh, that allows sting to get in because Jarrett's looking at the giant on the floor sting gets behind jared in the ring uh gives him the scorpion death drop all three announcers immediately say he's nwo <laughs> that that uh that you know certifies him as an nwo member dusty says he has bad intentions on his face tony uh, so then, Sting leaves right after that. Giant does hit the choke slam. You know that was kind of the big talking point in their yep. first match. Is could he hit the choke slam? He is when he's capacitated from the Scorpion Death Drop, uh, and the choke slam gets the win for the Giant. Uh, this 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 is so Melzer gives this match a star and a quarter two. He gives it the same as the match mm. before. This, I thought this was fun. Like I'll mm-hmm. defend this match. It's short. It's a great dynamic between Jarrett using his speed and Giant looking like a monster uh, stalking after him. The stuff with Sting was fun and well done. Like, it's ambiguous enough to where he's pissed at Jarrett for calling him out, but he's still not full-fledged NWO. So, that continues, like, that that angle. Uh, Overall, I thought this was very successful. I really enjoyed this match. I don't know what to say. I went three stars. Like I thought it was a good, like good fun match that didn't overstay its welcome at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm with you uh, way more than Meltzer for sure. So I liked it a little bit better. Last month I went two and a half this month. I went two and three quarters. So I'm with you. It was, it was fun. Uh, It just shows again that Jarrett is just really well versed for the face role, hitting his quick offense. He's a good seller, Uh, much more entertaining in this spot than as a heel. Uh, character-wise, I, I don't know Like, I, I can see why the yeah. crowd is in and out on him I think that's the problem I think as a character, he's a better heel In the ring, he's a better face I think he just naturally comes off as arrogant uh, Giant wrestles so calmly and collected Which is what adds a lot of vibe to his matches Like, He never seems nervous or panicked He's just kind of cool, beats the shit out of you Even if he's having to come back from behind He's very steady um, Like you said, the finish really paid off the Choke Sam story adds more mystery to sting, which is good. Um, You know, Bobby's reminding us about the match of flair endorsed Jarrett. So they're trying to keep pushing that. Uh, He's sticking to moving and keeps with a strategy that worked in havoc, which I thought was a nice thread too. Like he knows what worked last time where he pretty much took giant to the limit. So he's trying to do it here. Uh, The big boot by giant to Jarrett as Sting was leaving the cat work, the great, you know, I just, I thought it was just a well-worked smart match and the sting stuff. He had to work it in somewhere on the show. I think it makes sense here since Jarrett's kind of been calling him out as bailing on WCW. You know, I I feel like it's a pairing that shouldn't work in theory, but it works well. Um, So credit to them. All right. Now we get our big contract signing. Mm. Early. Did you feel like it was early in the show for this? Yeah.
1: I mean, this show hums along pretty good. Yeah. Um, Actually, like there's not, I mean, even stuff that, you may not be as into like there's no definitely no like throwaway matches Mm-mm. on the show like you know amazing french canadians and harlem E has a feud around right
0: it. i mean that's probably the closest but
1: yeah uh so piper gets a big pop coming out piper says no need to wait get on out here and let's get it done out walks uh the nwo music kicks off and out walks bischoff first uh, and nwo shirt tony's just completely disgusted would you look at this he says uh so first is bischoff DiBiase, and vincent uh it looked like giant was, was kind of lingering in the background as they were walking out but the giant i guess stays back there till the the troops come out so that was a little weird but um so it's, it's just them three in the ring versus piper to start uh, <clears throat> Bischoff says, Mr. Piper, I thought I would let you know that Hollywood's busy. Just got a couple of scripts he's looking at. Uh, but he did give Eric his power of attorney. It's an NWO thing. Uh, <laughs> Tony gets so annoyed at this. It's great. Uh, Piper says to Vince that he taught him how to fight, so to get him out of his way. I like that. Like, yeah, that's a cool call. Back. There, yeah, yep. He calls Eric an 80 monster lookalike, you know. Piper's always good for an old dated reference. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're a new kid on the block, and power's corrupted, Jim. Piper says, "Shut up," and he gives a little slap to Vincent. Says, "I taught you how to fight." Uh, 28 years he's been wrestling, and not once has he had his hair primped and his nails done. Eric starts looking at the kilt and says he can. And uh, Piper says he can wear this because he's damn tough enough to wear it. And uh, and then he asks how much of a fine it would be to knock your ass out, which gets a big pop. Uh Piper says he's tired of the baloney. He says there's a pay-per-view next month. He like calls out the date, like December 28th. And Eric's like impressed and he knows the date and he says he'll fight Hogan there. Uh, Eric starts looking at the contract. Piper slaps his hand away. Piper says he'll fight Hogan and he could care less if the NWO is down there. He doesn't care if he gets knocked out and that everyone needs to just revive him and then the fight will go on. He's going for the fight of the century and to determine who the icon is. Uh, That brings out the entire NWO now. Uh, So, I mean, it's everybody, actually. It's Mm -hmm. a Hogan giant, Outsiders 6. It's really only Nick Patrick and Elizabeth there, yeah. So, no NWO Sting, no Nick Patrick, but everybody that's been associated with him. Uh, Hogan on the mic says Piper has a problem now. Piper tells him to get his butt in the ring quit the talking. Hogan says he's used to dealing with individuals that are his equal, number one contenders and people up to his speed. When you were my equal 10 years ago, you couldn't get it done. Now that you're Mr. Self-Righteous, why don't you admit? And, and then he asks Piper to show him the hip. Uh, he wants the camera to zoom in on it. Piper shows him his left leg, which uh, has no scar at all hogan says that's not it he wants him to lift the other leg piper does and that shows a big scar uh hogan says he doesn't usually pick on cripples since the whole world wants to see the war that didn't end the score it'll be a pleasure to sign the contract and then he signs it so our match is official Uh, he won't have a leg to stand on piper then slaps hogan hauling giant grabbing hogan starts wailing away on him they lift the kilt up, Hogan grabs a chair, slams it against the hip. he kind of lunges at him, then he grabs a spray paint can, writes NWO on the hip. Uh he says, Piper, I'm going to break you in half, you piece of crap, and spits on him, uh, the NWO starts leaving, as Tony calls it a disgusting scene, Bischoff's grinning from ear to ear, doing his, I love this guy, he's too much, which is, he's such a sleazeball when he mm-hmm. says that, Uh Piper grabs a mic, says, on the ninth, that's the best you can do. You're, you're in trouble because there's no retreat, and no surrender. Uh, so I'll go to you for the analysis of this, and then I can give some thoughts on it. But that's the kind of blow-by-blow blow blow. big moment.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it was – I mean, it was really good um, for sure. The, uh, the hip stuff I thought was well done. Hogan calling him peg-like Pete, like establishing Piper's going to have a weakness coming into the match. We know about it, but we haven't really brought it up yet here. Six with the, the camcorder, too, like right on the cut, like was pretty good yeah. when they were trying to to film it to show it. Um, but I thought this was awesome. Like, it, it was a fantastic segment. It gets right on track for Starcade, makes Piper look like a badass. It was a good tease that Hogan may not be here because it's believable that he may not be. Uh, so when he comes out, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's cool. They delivered. Uh, I thought Piper was on point. There was none of his rambling, and he hasn't had that yet. Uh, here since he's returned, it's as brief if it does happen, he gets right back on point. Uh, the The worst part of this was six without the beard. This looks weird. It's like with Scott Shaves. It's odd. <laughs> uh, I don't like I don't like it. makes me feel nervous. Um, but all in all, no, I, I thought it was excellent. Uh, Piper continues to just crush it like he's he's been amazing since he's arrived. It's only been a few times, but he's been amazing every time so far. Uh, and he's on point here. so the the hype is very real. I think it's interesting that there's been no mention of the world title in any of this because I know that's a uh, point of contention a month from now on our next pay-per-view when a lot of people thought maybe they got hoodwinked a little bit at the end um but there's really been no mention of the title at all throughout any of this so they're not they never really they don't not advertise it right but it's it's not mentioned Um, well
1: i mean i don't I don't want to call wrestling fans stupid, but to
0: me, if you didn't
1: think this was... If you thought this was for the world title, you're just not paying much attention. Right. Because they're very specific in saying this is for, like, the icon, it's the Battle of the Century. And even when they go into the Battle Royal here later on, they say, like, this will be the next person to face Hulk Hogan for the title. Right. Right. So So, there's there's
0: multiple angles. Yeah.
1: yeah, Like, if if you're... Thinking that was for the title, and you were, you know, of age that you should know better, right? Pretty, you know, come on, yeah, yeah. They never, <laughs> they never say it. um least, I mean, I don't one, think that's one. a bait and switch at all. No, no, it's never it stated. They
0: just don't. No, yeah. I think that the only argument you can have is that they don't not say it, right? So I think they were right. kind of leaving it there, you know, make you think a little bit, maybe, but they never come out and say it's for the title or he wants the belt. Like it's none of that. He, he even says, I'm not, and he'll say it more as we go. Like I'm not in WCW. I'm here just to fight Hogan. That's all I care about. I want right. to prove on the icon right. that I'm the best. I owe him a beating. And that's that. Uh, I like the stuff of Vincent. That was really well done. I like too, when he, uh, he says to Dibiase too, like I see you there, Ted, because they get the history as well. So like, it's cool that he, this one, th- good thing WCW has been, been pretty good at is like, nodding to their all these feuds of these guys in the past without coming out and saying it right like hogan and savage we had a lot of it with them too so they've been they've done a good job of referencing WWF feuds of the 80s without directly having to say it or being like stupid about it uh so so yeah what did you think of the segment i, I thought it was a home run yeah and also yeah. what do you think of bischoff like do you feel like he's already in it as a heel do you feel like he's learning it like i feel like he was really good already like oh, yeah. like he's like, just stands out as such a dick as a smarmy asshole right away. Um, you could tell he's been working on it or it's just natural to him, but it's, (laughs) it's there. Like it doesn't take much ramp up. Like the Bischoff here isn't that far removed from like the Bischoff a year from now, in my mind.
1: No. Yeah. I I love Bischoff here. I I mean, I think the only thing with Bischoff in power is you'll see it. Like it starts to deface DiBiase, but I'll take that trade. Um, probably. I mean, in retrospect, I feel like I'd take it. and We'll see if that holds up, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought this was a great segment. I mean, I, I, I thought the Off turn segments, like probably one of the better segments we've seen on the podcast, but I mean, this one's a great, too, and it just shows. I mean, it continues to show that when you start to think about like the NWO overall, like now that we're five months in or whatever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, man, like, dude they had so many like home run segments like it it is crazy in a five-month span like i mean this is peak wrestling because like when you talk about like the turn of hogan and all the stuff with the outsiders when they first came in and then the the attack at mgm studios and then the giant turn like that's so Mm -hmm. memorable and the even something like the Elizabeth promo, like, yep. begging for Savage, like, on the swing, like, that gets muddled, like, you forget mm-hmm. that, like, I forgot that. Rewind. It's only a month away at this so point, great. only a month earlier than this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's so many classic stuff, so, I mean, this is another great segment that I, th- I thought everybody did their role extremely well, and, yeah, I mean, we'll... I do want to check because I know that's a little bit of a talking point that they maybe go back on Super Brawl, like, for the title. This time it's for the title or whatever they say. So we'll check that. But, I mean, for that right now, like, it, to me, it's even a step beyond. Like, if they didn't mention it, then I could say, like, all right. Like, I mean, yeah, technically they didn't say it was for the title, but they also didn't say it wasn't either. I mean, they're pretty much. I mean, they're you know, they're not going to outright say like, "Hey, guess what, guys? This isn't for the title," but they're telling you like they're not skirting away from it and just saying like, you know, Piper's facing Hogan and he's the champion of the world. You know, like you know, they're not they're not necessarily uh, keeping to me you in the dark on what it is right. at this point. So we'll see. But yeah, great segment.
0: And they keep yeah. I mean, it keeps turning out, and they have, they have so many threads going now too. Um, Mm -hmm. which is great, right? We got this Hogan Piper stuff. We got the outsiders, both in the tag division and the stuff with page. We got Bischoff now on top. How's he going to fit in? We got giant with the U S belt. We get DBS in the money, right? Like six, you know, isn't doing a ton, but he's kind of lingering around the cruiserweight division, running his mouth about that. Like, there's just so many little pieces going on with them, but yet they all feel unified at the same time because they're all just trying to take over. Right. They also right. want to take over at WCW. That's lingering. They're selling merch. Like they're doing a lot and and they're not dominating the show at the same time, which is interesting. It's right. like, you know, it's they're not all over the nitro. Like they, they're on maybe a quarter of the time. It feels like, uh, but yeah, they're involved They They reach into everything. So I'm really, I, I, we keep saying it, we'll track it, but like, what's the tipping point? When do we start to feel like, okay, it's too much. Um, it's overbearing, it's dominating, they watered it down. Like, is that coming? And it hasn't happened yet, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's coming. I do think we're, like, at the peak moment where, like, their stuff is so important that it's, it's uh, you know, a huge point of emphasis and they have a lot of right. uh, spokes in the fire. But then if you have something like Ray versus Ultimo, they lay out, you know, like, no mention during that whole match of what's going on. So, I mean, it's, it's to me, it's a great harmony. Of that uh we'll see when it starts shifting to the other way i mean i think just naturally as they start adding more members well happens. and it's
0: you know in, in nitro like the nwo is outpacing nitro overall and WCW overall is entertainment like we've seen some slipping in nitro from top to bottom they're not on the like untouchable hot streak they were on for a while but the nwo stuff is is on point like that never slips even if the rest of nitro is shaky at times um, they're still like dead on constantly with the NWO stuff.
1: Right. All right. That leads us to our next match. Uh, amazing French Canadians versus Harlem Heat. An awful rendition of the Canadian national anthem, uh, you know, from from the Canadians. Match starts off Stevie Ray, Jacques Rougeau. Stevie has the advantage with a slam. Jacques gets a back elbow. Uh, Carl Lett is tagged in. Close line sends Stevie down. Harlem Heat's able to gain the advantage when Booker comes in. Uh, they talk about how the Colonel, I guess, did uh, give a promo on WCW Saturday Night where he explained like, his war outfit, his French war outfit <laughs> that he's wearing now. Uh, Booker sends Carl's neck over the top rope, elbow from Stevie. I thought this was a pretty lumbering action overall. Uh-huh. Scissor kick from Booker wakes things up a bit. Canadians take back over. Booker gets sent to the outside. Colonel gets a few kicks in. Both Canadians kick him down in the corner, running co- combo clotheslines and a leg sleep. Uh, Carl Ouellette slammed by Jock on top of Booker. This looks good. You know, this was the spot, the, the nitro before, that looked awkward where he landed on the guy's back. Uh, back body drop by Stevie, press slam. Uh, Onto Carl, which looked impressive. All four guys are in now. Scott Dickerson, the referee, gets bumped. Booker gets crouched on the top rope. The Canadians double-team him and uh, hit a spike pile driver. Table gets introduced by the Canadians, and then the ring steps. Uh, This is a pretty interesting spot where they put the – they, like, prop the table up in the corner uh, on top of the top turnbuckle. Then they put the steps on top of it, and then they do, uh, like – Olette's assisted senton off of Rougeau's arms uh, from the ring steps, which looked good. Uh, he misses that, though. Uh, so a pretty cool spot there. The mm-hmm. Harlem Hangover is hit from the win. Uh, Booker landed the Harlem Hangover right on Olette's face, too. Yeah, it really yeah. yeah. So finish looked good. A- action itself, I thought, was pretty bad. Uh, that mm-hmm. leads right into, per the stipulation, where Sherry versus Parker so sherry takes her shoes off wallops parker he gets slung over the top rope she does a running clothesline dusty of course is losing his mind over all this uh she goes to the top hits a splash but uh that only gets a two count and then the canadians pull uh parker off and they hightail it to the back so overall i thought i mean to me like this is a low point of the show actually for me um you know the action itself of course Again, pretty lumbering. Uh, I ended up just going two stars. <laughs> it's like a very, very like gentleman too. I did like the finish, but uh, not a lot here. And again, this is an angle that hopefully is over, like between Sherry and Parker. Uh, I've got, I've got it's been game. like a
0: year long this freaking thing, uh, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really long angle. Right. Uh, Talking about data references. Bobby compares the amazing French Canadians to Lawrence Welk, where they're singing the anthem. So there you go. Uh. Stevie and Sherry are shitting on the singing. A lot of Hogan Piper talk all through this. The French Canadians, we talked about it a little bit. Um, You know, Jacques being probably a bit overrated. I I just think they're a little washed by this point, especially him. I mean, he's just old. Like, he's been (laughs) wrestling for a while. I think Pierre, as we've seen, can still go. I think they would have had more mileage, maybe, uh, if, if like, if they really wanted to bring them in to do something, you could have had Pierre Solo with Jacques, as a mouthpiece, piece i think that could have worked instead of parker um and then maybe like it leads to Jacques eventually getting in matches and getting his ass kicked or something like if you wanted to go that route if you really want to bring them in i mean but that said like they're fine at the bottom end of the tag division i just don't think we need to have them in top level pay-per-view feuds uh, it does keep Harlem Heat out of the title picture for a bit which is fine they've been really in it for like two years straight at this point so not the worst thing to give him a break from it. Uh, I like the finish as well with the, the monster Tower Quebec missing. And then the, the just mashing roulette with the hangover. It was just a really hard uh, hit. I like the post-match quite a bit. I, I'd say that's the highlight for sure. Uh, and it's mainly due to Dusty. Like the energy he brings, he's freaking out when Sherry's like doing actual moves. She closed on them. You know, like he's, he's losing his mind. He kicked out. He's like dying when Parker kicks out the freaking post-match brawl. Um, and then, like you said, he gets saved. So uh, the match was boring to me. The finish was good, uh, even with that. The one thing about the tower was like it was super convoluted uh, to, to try to set it up, but it was fine. The hangover was great. Uh, the crowd was was out on it, uh, but the post match had good energy thanks to Dusty and Sherry. I mean, Sherry always brings it for that stuff, and Dusty was great. So two and a quarter to me for the match, uh, but really that was pretty much buoyed by the the post match nonsense.
1: All right, uh, then uh, a truly hideous Starcade ad airs. Um, it is really bad. Like it's just somebody kind of narrating destroying toys and turkeys. It was really bad. Flame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oakland's backstage with Luger.
0: And then, by the way, Tony just and Bobby like dying after the Parker thing. Like they could barely get to that. Starcade yeah. ad or whatever they're like i mean they're just busting it. It, it it felt genuine i guess it didn't feel like the usual like forced michael cole style forced laugh i guess but um anyway i think they were just probably laughing at dusty losing it
1: probably uh gene shows the hotline says another superstar will be coming to WCW in the future I'm guessing that's perfect um but uh then comes in Luger for his interview. Gene says, kind of out of left field, Sting handed him a bat. Blake says, yeah, it's frustrating. He doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, He says, like, those type of tactics reek of the NWO with the black and white coming out of the crowd using the baseball bat. He doesn't want to believe it, though. And then also he handed him the bat and turned his back on him. uh, So he doesn't quite know what to make of all of it. Then they transition to the main event. Gene says, hey, you're the favorite. Luger says, hey, with 60 men, anything can happen. Um, and uh, this is his chance to show some honor to what happened to WCW. So he's going to give it his best effort tonight. I, th- I thought this was a good Luger promo. You know, yep.
0: nothing groundbreaking, but good. Yeah, it's on point for where Luger's been. Just steady.
1: All right, it leads us to our Cruiserweight title match. Kind of a weird match. We didn't see much of a build at all. Just kind of Psychosis looking on in the entranceway. Uh, psychosis versus Dean Malinko. Dusty lets us know this is a first-time matchup. Uh, he talked to Iron Mike today and learned that tidbit. <laughs> uh, psychosis takes Dean down to start. Dropped hole by Dean. He starts working over the leg. Crowd starts to kind of get restless early on. Uh, Some pin attempts by Dean, some reversals of the arm. They reach a stalemate after some nip-ups, more mat work. And, you know, I'd say, like, the first four or five minutes of this match is just strictly mat wrestling. Yeah. Malenko then looks for a half crab. Psychosis gives up his arm. Dean buries his knee into his back. Dean kicks Psychosis and flips him into the ropes and hits some spin kicks. Uh, a drop kick from psychosis sends Dean to the outside. He goes for a dive, but ends up uh, like losing his balance. Psychosis does, uh, and then hits the guardrail. So uh, a little bit of a bias there. Uh, Malenko rolls him back in, locks on a head scissors. Tony mentions when the NWO came out, Dean wasn't there. I thought that was a pretty good point. Uh-huh. Uh, Dean locks in a deep half crab that looked nasty. Uh, Dean lets that go, hits a butterfly suplex into a powerbomb and then the cloverleaf, but Psychosis is able to scurry and make it to the rope. Some more shots from Dean. uh, Drop kick to the knee of Psychosis. Uh, This is when the commentary is getting on Dusty because he says ham hock, and they ask exactly what a ham hock is. Um, (laughs) It's pretty funny. Dean's really going after the leg. Uh, He puts Psychosis in a tree of woe. Just a lot of, like... You know, basic attacks, but very Mm -hmm. vicious overall. Like, uh, you know, rolling to the outside, slamming his leg on the apron, etc. Dean then flips Psychosis to the outside. He misses a baseball slide. Psychosis is able to hit a pump handle, backbreaker on the floor, and then a twisting corkscrew splash. Springboard leg drop by Psychosis gets two. Drop kick by Psychosis, but he misses a charge in. Dean climbs to the top rope. Psychosis is able to drop kick him off the top rope. Then he hits Arana from a seated position for a two count. Uh, his suplex attempt gets reversed for a small package by Dean Uh Dusty says he could be a cruiser. He could have been a cruiserweight if he <laughs> wanted to. Bobby says his parents still let him wrestle at six months old, so that was uh, another funny exchange between them two. Uh, they do the tombstone reversal spot that leads to Dean hitting it, and then uh, Dean ends up hooking him in kind of a victory roll uh, with a bridge pinfall to get the win. Um, so this is like a frustrating match for me. Uh, it's, it's, um, the crowd heat's not very good at all. And like, (laughs) it's, it's one of those kind of Chad matches in a lot of ways. Like the, the mat work is engaging to me. Like I like the opening mat work. I like Dean, um, going after the leg a lot. I actually have trouble with psychosis and how he sells the leg. That's where the match sort of falls apart for me. Um, I, I think if he had continued to sell the leg and really work on that and pay off like the work that Dean had done, um, that would have been a very satisfying match for me. It may not have been one that still generated a great crowd action, which is fair, but It's a match I think I could argue was like, okay, I mean, from a technician standpoint, it was executed well, and they got over the story they wanted to, or tried to. Excuse me. I, I, I think where this match falters is, again, in the selling of psychosis, and also because of that, it makes what Malenko does, and this is one of his critiques as a worker, is a lot of what he does in this match ends up looking like empty calorie right uh, so like you know, like any spot fest person like just doing high spots and moonsaults or whatever just to do them like this feels like that like a lot of Dean's mat work and reversals didn't necessarily serve a purpose. they were just there to exist and to move the match along. um so a really frustrating match like i I mean with both these guys, I feel like there's stuff there that they could pull together to have a great match together. um and then I was like, well, did I like enough to even consider this a good match and I just kept getting frustrated the more I thought about it. So I ended up going with two and three quarters as mm-hmm. my star rating on it. Um, sort of a perplexing match. like I, I, And I do think, like, in a weird way, this match is kind of like the fulcrum for how I feel in this pay-per-view overall. Right. Um, because there's already been, like, one great match. Um, you know, after this match, you knew there was only the main event and the tag. So you weren't necessarily expecting anything else. So, this could have been like that second great match. Then you could have said, all right, like this is another like really great right. WCW pay per view. We didn't get that. So, I think it actually suffers the whole pay per view as a whole from a viewing standpoint more than you might think. So, yeah, two and three quarters.
0: Uh, I'm with you, and that I was disappointing. Uh, interesting, though. Tony says Stephen Regal has projected psychosis win this match and the title. So, there you go. The lordship uh, weighs in. It, again, it's a little bit similar to the Dragon Ray match in style and setup. Like it's essentially a squash. Like sekosis doesn't get barely any offense in. Anything he tries to do gets completely countered. um He does get the top rope Rana, and then the Tombstone Reversal, and then that's it. Like Dean just rolls him up. So it was it was hard fought. Dean kept things in his style. So I guess you kind of explain it that way. Like think like a football team that is kind of sets a tone and, and makes you play their game. That's what it was. Like Sekogusus could never really take the air and get going. Uh, but he was never really in it. I think they could open the throttle a bit late and made it a little more competitive. Like that's to me, the difference between this and like Ray Dragon is that Ray Dragon had a lot of this kind of more map based stuff um, attack. But then they also opened it up and hit the big spots. That never happens here. We don't get any of that. Um, so it, it worked to get Malenko over, I guess, and show his style But it didn't lead to the most exciting of matches. And I agree. Like, this could have been another one. You look at Dragon Ray and this this match on paper coming into the show. You're like, oh, shit. Like, these two are definitely going to steal the night. And this ends up being fine. I went three stars still because I think it's well worked. But it just definitely disappointing. Definitely disappointing. So, and I think, you know, following the French Canadians didn't help either. Because the crowd kind of checked out on that match. And they didn't really wake back up for this either. So, I don't know what would have been a better spot for this. Maybe put this after Jericho early and then do Jared giant. And then that pushes a contract signing a little bit later too. And then use the French Canadians as you cool down off of that still, and then go into the outsiders to wake back up. So I think this could have been earlier in the night. Maybe it would have went a little differently, but I think coming off the intense contract signing and then kind of the snoozer tag didn't help either, but three stars, you know, yeah. but probably like the most, disappointing three-star match you could have
1: we're all like up and down crowd i thought Mm. this is interesting um that rolls right in for me for the next match so it's a triple threat tag title match (coughs) um tony apologizes for leaving the broadcast the week before um Mm -hmm. but he says you know i mean i may just not do it i may do it again because i'm not going to put up with it um, I get very nervous when the outsiders come out and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, which was funny too, because then Dusty says like, he wouldn't have done anything either. And Tony's like gobsmacked at that and ends up saying like, oh, I got a three-time world champion that also would help me out. <laughs> so he can't get help from anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nasty's running. Uh, so the outsiders come out first, The Nasty's kind of running and attack them. Uh, so they're brawling, and then the Faces of Fear music starts up, and the Outsiders have bailed to the outside of the ring, and then they end up brawling uh, the Faces of Fear and the Outsiders in the entrance. All six get in the ring, and they just go after it, and the Nasties work over Nash, the Faces of Fear work over Hall. Uh, they take a powder to the outside again, and then the Nasties and Faces of Fear go at each other, clubbing each other, big chop shots. Uh, to me, Sags continues to be kind of a surprise stiff worker. It's uh, mm-hmm. more punchy than you might think. Uh, I thought there was a funny moment when the nasties and phases of fear, when the match kind of settles in, and they're still going after it where um, the outsiders are showing the apron and are acting like they're smoking a cigarette just watching them beat each other up. That was pretty good. Uh, the outsiders do end up coming in. They mix it up well. Mean gets some big Shots in. Nash smartly tags out every time he's reeling off of a a big kick or punch from the faces of fear. Hall beats down the Barbarian in impressive fashion. Uh, Big clothesline in the corner by Barbarian when he makes his comeback. Nasty slam uh, by Barbarian on Hall. (laughs) And then he looks to, uh, he kind of goes over and looks to tag in the Nasty Boys. And on commentary, they're like, that doesn't make sense. You know, don't do that. And then, you know, very smartly, he tags in Ming. So that was good. Uh, Eventually, the Nasties do come in. The match breaks down again. Sags and Nash are really going at it. Uh, The ref takes both of them out. But Nash is able to get a big boot up on Barbarian and a running clothesline. Ming has to break up that cover attempt. Faces of Fear get the advantage on Hall and just crack away. Mean gives Hall back black suplex. Tony mentions how they're building momentum. Uh, they really put over the Faces of Fear, I thought, throughout this match. Talk about like them winning on points and whatnot and really built them strong. Hall's able to weather the storm. He works over Barbarian's leg. Barbarian gets the tag. Mean goes right to, cor- to the corner. Uh, and then the Faces of Fear and Outsiders getting a big brawl, another big clothesline from Nash into the corner. Nash misses an elbow and knobs. Uh, was able to uh, get a blind tag. All three guys in the ring beat each other up. Sags gives Barbarian a backbreaker. Uh, I did mention here, though, that I thought the Corral wasn't really into this, which to me was unfortunate because I was yep. digging it, actually. Uh, Ming and Knobs are in. Ming gives them a pile driver. Hall gets tagged in but gets hit with an atomic drop and a low blow. Ming gives some stiff shots to Knobs. Ming and Nog stare down, and then they both tag in both Outsiders, uh, so they come into the ring, do the big stare down, and they try to make the tag, and then all four drop down. Uh, Bobby says this is the first time the WCW is outsmarted the NWO. Uh, but then Tony picks up on this, and I thought with commentary and what happened in the ring worked well, where uh, Tony mentions, like, well, why don't just one of the outsiders lay down and they could pin them? And I feel like this is where we saw, like, in the uh, SummerSlam match where they wrestled each other. And we talked about how, like, that was stupid in that tag match. And here, uh, I think it was with Zip and Skip or whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah. and,
1: and and here it's like, okay, like, I actually do think they may have watched that match and been like, we're not going to do that dumb crap here. Right. Uh, and you can see, like, Nash working it out that, oh, yeah, like, we don't have to fight. And he lays down, like, to take the pin, and then yep. and they have to make the save. I, I love that, actually. Yeah, it was uh, then then the match breaks down. Jimmy gets on the apron. knobs pops him. The megaphone goes flying. Hall's able to pick up the net megaphone, wax knobs with it. And then Nash hits the uh, Jack North powerbomb to gain the pinfall. So I talked about in the last show how Farouk versus Savio Vega I thought was an ugly match that was not stiff enough to be entertaining. Uh, I don't think this match is very pretty. But I thought this was an ugly but brutal brawl that, to me, was insanely entertaining. I don't know if this is one that, you know, has just been lost in the annals of time, and it was completely panned when it happened. Um, Meltzer gives this match a, a half star. Jesus. And then Scott Keith does, too. You know, a wow. big surprise. But, you know, a lot of like, oh, this mm-hmm. sucked, whatever. I really like this match. I don't know what to say. Like, I, I thought this match was really fun, uh, very brutal. A lot of stiff shots. Like, it's a lot of punching and kicking, but it's it's stiff. Uh, it looked like they didn't like each other. Like, they looked like they hated each other. It looked like a fight. And overall, it worked well for me. I also think it elevated the faces of fear overall. So, uh, I pull out a pretty monster rating for this. I went three and a half.
0: Okay. I was at two and three quarters. So you're making me feel inadequate, but then you read those and now I feel better That at least the way I had a belt or Keith. Um, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was interesting because you think of the outsiders as being like above this kind of stuff, At like, like a year from now, could you imagine this match? You know what I mean? Um, but at this point, like seeing them mix it up with the nasties and the faces of fear on pay-per-view is like really cool. Like it makes it feel like they're really in the division versus like you know, six months a year from now where it feels like they're made of enters that wouldn't be down in the, the you know, mid card, not mid card. But, you know, what I'm saying like in this level of the tag division just brawling it out and taking a shit kicking from these guys. But uh, I'm with you. I really love the uh, double tag with a face of fear tag in the hall of Nash uh, or a nasty face of fear do it. I love Tony immediately freaking out because he's onto it. He's like, this is dumb. Like, what are you doing? Uh, and then, you know, the nasties made the last second save. So that was definitely really well done barbarian i thought looked great uh he's got such a dismissive power just throws guys around with ease uh and i'm with you it definitely made them look strong and look good I, i'm still shocked that Nasty is even around at this point let alone on pay-per-view getting tag title matches with the outsiders so good on them still hanging around it's a microcosm of the type of tag match they've excelled in over the last year and they they bring the the you know craziness here uh, so it was a fun power brawl it felt like a bar fight just banging into each other in and out with strikes and slams uh, the outsiders really had to work their asses off. Like they threw down right with these guys. They did they could have taken the lazy way out, right? And played it up where they were too smart and they sit on the apron while the other teams beat the shit out of each other. But they were in there like throwing down. It's probably the hardest match they've had, honestly, since they've debuted. Um, I think nothing that would stand out long term, but it's a fun tussle shows the depth of the tag division. You know, we've had five tag teams across two matches tonight and it's, you know, you could argue the amazing French Canadians are the worst, and what are they? Probably the second, third best team in Dirty F, I guess, at this point. Um, maybe a little bit further down now because France and the are there too. But a month ago, they would have been like the second best team probably in the Dirty F after Owen and Bulldog. So um, this shows the depth that we have. And this isn't even counting the Steiners who are around as well, still kind of. So uh, again, two and three quarters. I like the finish uh, and the Outsiders escape again with the belts. All right. So that,
1: that really just leaves the main event. They kind of set the table for it. Uh, Dusty gives a big kind of spirited promo about Piper versus Hogan. Um, And then he leaves to join his announce booth. So here's our announcers. We got uh, Lee Marshall and Larry Sabisco, Tanae and Dusty. And uh, when they go to Lee Marshall, he talks about Sullivan versus Benoit, the match in Baltimore. (laughs)
0: Love that Baltimore
1: match. (laughs) Yeah. Went to the bathroom where the Dungeon of Doom had an ambush waiting for Benoit. They laid him out. Uh, Larry says with 59 other men, you have to be focused. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they go to Dusty and Tanay, and uh, Dusty brings up Conan as a possible contender to win it, which was uh, out of of left field pick. Uh, So right before the people start coming out, we get the full wraparound, one person who you think is going to win. So, Lou Marshall, Kevin Nash, Nabisco, Luger, Dusty, of course, can't just pick one, Luger, Conan, Bobby's, he's Malenko, Uh, today was uh, Luger as well, and then uh, Tony says the giant because he's the biggest guy in the ring.
0: Yeah, so, this was, uh, I like that they did the roundtable. That was really cool, like, making the prediction yeah. last minute. Hit it quick. It felt, like, exciting. as a little chaotic vibe. as the ring starting to—the guys are getting ready to come out. You're kind of last second throwing them out there. So I thought that felt that felt realistic to do it that way.
1: So uh, I got a list of the 60 guys. Okay. I, th- I think we did this last year. We'll go through real quick. Each of yep. the 60. You give me a quick no chance— Slight chance, heavy fa- you know, contender right. uh, for each one. So, you know, no chance, medium, contender. Okay. Uh Lex Luger. Uh contender. Eddie Guerrero. Contender. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Let me match. I'm gonna mark these. Uh Tony Rumble. No chance. That's what
0: <cut>. I, I looked him up on Cage match. This is his only WCW match that's listed. Is he the um, guy from match. the Northeast, like Boston? Tony I think Rumble? so. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he died not long after that. I remember, <laughs> like, I see a lot. Obviously, like, I follow like various Northeast indie guys, and yeah. I feel like I've seen him mentioned as like, oh, uh, like R.I.P. Tony Rumble. But I feel like he died like a while ago, like, like in the late '90s or something. Okay. Uh, Dallas Page Um, I'll say Fringe Contender Okay All right. uh, Chaos From uh, High Voltage
1: uh, No Chance Robbie Rage from High Voltage No Chance Which is Ruckus was on He was Ruckus
0: on the uh, graphic <laughs> uh, Wall Street In Wall Street No Chance Do you think they fucked up Ruckus Or was that his actual name at first yeah, no, they he used Ruckus some, too, uh, Buff, uh, me, I don't know, medium to none probably. Yeah, uh, Scotty Riggs, none,
1: Sergeant Craig Payton, no chance. That's
0: what you <laughs> uh, Stevie Ray and Booker T. Uh, medium, I guess Booker more so. Okay, uh, Bubba. Uh, medium tilting to none.
1: Yeah.
0: Hugh Morris. Uh, probably none. Yeah. Conan. Oh, uh, well, I mean, good. they throw his name out there, so <laughs> I'll call it medium.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Big Ron Stud. None. none. Yeah. Uh, Steven Regal. Uh, I'll call it a medium. La Parca. Sadly none. <laughs> Pistol Paz Watley. <laughs> Whatever none is, minus <laughs> more. Uh, I
1: could I had forgotten he was in this. When he came out, I was great. like, is that Paz Watley?
0: They're like the originators of bring the legends <laughs> into these like, matches. My God. Uh Tony really? Rumble did pass away in nineteen ninety nine. Um yeah. November thirteenth, yeah. 1999. Boston bad boy. He was uh he was born nineteen fifty six so like he wasn't super I mean he's forty three which is obviously young but already um, yeah, in this match yeah yeah right but yeah I always see a lot of like I say like every year actually it would have been right around now November thirteenth he passed away um, I do see a lot of like random kind of R I P Tony Rumble memory of Tony Rumble stuff so interesting
1: um Mongo no uh, we'll call it a medium yeah. Disco Inferno,
0: none.
1: <laughs> Joe Gomez, none. Uh, Renegade, oh. you know. yeah. Um, Faces of Fear, Mean and Barbarian.
0: Uh, I mean, look, they were just presented really strong in that match. So uh, probably not, but medium.
1: Yeah, Bunkhouse
0: Buck. Fucking still around. None. Yeah. Arn Anderson. Uh it's, I know it's crazy because I gave like Eddie a contender, but I'd say Arn is like medium to contender. Oh
1: yeah. I'd say Arn's medium. Yep. Johnny Grunge.
0: Uh none. Yep.
1: Sequelope.
0: None.
1: Galaxy. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> none. Uh six. Bismarck. None. No Gal- Galaxy's actually Felino
1: and the graphic did say Felino too. Which is that Felina
0: from uh, El Paso? The song El no, Paso? Don't the smirch Marty Robin that. the Marty Robin <laughs> El Paso.
1: Felino's an amazing worker. So okay.
0: yeah. Uh, did he wrestle a lot? I feel like I don't did we see more him? Yeah, he was he was one of the guys
1: in the match that we cut in on last Monday night. On, oh right. Um, okay. Yeah. So I I don't know I don't even know let's see let me look at that now uh, we can do six Hall and Nash I'm, you can just run through them yeah yes
0: yes yes
1: yeah and the giant
0: uh absolutely top contender yeah. I mean yeah. well six is more like a fringe contender but yeah <laughs> um Hall Nash and Giant are all definitely
1: yeah I would say six slide everybody else contender yeah. Scott Norton
0: uh i would say no there uh ultimo dragon that's an interesting one uh i mean i'll give him a medium just because yeah. they do present him well with the belts and all that but probably not
1: <laughs> uh <clears throat> jimmy graffiti
0: yes! yes! that's my boy jimmy graffiti absolutely oh, contender wow.
1: Yeah, no chance for the <laughs> uh,
0: Mikey. I was just happy to gain the payday. Yeah. Uh, Mike Enos, I would say uh, no. Rey Mysterio. Ooh. Medium, I guess. He's like yeah. him and Ultimo, same level. Roadblock. Yeah, no.
1: Ice Train. No. Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. it's <laughs> hard, though. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Hagsaw Jim Duggan. Uh,
0: medium, I guess, because you'd never friggin' know with him.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Benoit, who came out looking all bruised. Uh, contender. Yeah.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Uh, Hoovy. uh No. The
1: French-Canadians? No. Prince Ikea? No. Here's an interesting
0: one, uh, whether you're going to go medium or contender. Dane Malenko. I got to go contender. I mean, Bobby's hyping him. He's presented as like dominant constantly. Uh, I, I mean, it's unlo- I'd put him at the bottom of the contender list, but he's he's there.
1: Yeah. Um, Jeff Jarrett, another interesting contender. One. Contender. Yep. Bobby Eaton. Uh, no. Jim Powers. <laughs> no. Uh, Squire
0: Dave Taylor No
1: I'd say this is another kind of interesting one Chris
0: Jericho I'd put him as a fringe contender Yeah I'd say
1: fringe
0: I'd say yeah yeah.
1: Uh, Alex Wright
0: uh, Sadly Low medium I guess <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd say no uh, Mr. JL No uh, Mark Starr <laughs> No definitely not Men at <laughs> Work baby
1: yeah, Viano
0: Four. No, Rick Steiner. Maybe.
1: Yeah, and then our last one, the Taskmaster. I'll put him as a maybe. Okay. So I, the only one I'd probably disagree with is I think I'd move Page to contender and Eddie to medium. But mm-hmm. that did they
0: say us... maybe for Page? I don't remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I would have said maybe
1: for Page.
0: No. I might. Have, I might have zoned out. Yeah, I, I'd have him as a contender.
1: Okay. So that puts your contenders as Luger, Eddie, Paige. Uh, let's see. So that's three. Hall, Nash Giant. That's six. Benoit, seven. Malenko, eight. Jarrett, nine. Yeah, nine. Uh, Jericho, kind of fringe contender. So yeah, nine, you know, Going to six 10. of the so field. That's pretty good. Yeah it's yeah. pretty good one six i mean I, you know like it's gonna be below hit at 60 guys but i yeah. thought this was a pretty good feel when they came yeah. out all right so no, that's always a fun it's just a fun exercise because i mean it goes by so fast because they mm-hmm. run out there that you have to it actually takes a lot of work or i have to stop and pause but i'm like who is that like tony rumble was like the fourth one out <laughs> and i was like who it's like wait a minute who's this dude? boston bad boy <laughs> yeah um But, uh, so, to start off, Benoit and Sullivan just go at it, and then that erupts into a huge Dungeon of Doom versus Horseman Brawl. Yep. Uh, Benoit and Sullivan end up in the crowd. Lee Marshall's losing his mind. He gets decked at some point. (laughs) Um, Larry loves it. He says, Marshall's on the floor! (laughs) He he got nailed! (laughs) He was just i mean it was mayhem like uh, it was great. You, you it's a great it's a
0: great start i loved it yeah, i thought yeah. because generally you're thinking the beginning of this battle royal is going to be kind of lame 60 guys just kind of crowded you got three rings you can't really see you get a bunch of bums but they found a way to make it insanely hot um i thought it was really well done the chaos especially with the three, all the commentators at ringside like it's just pure pure freaking chaos uh they're all eliminated i thought that was a good way too to take them all out yeah check them a bit and keep the feud going so i thought that was a good way to do it clear the ring out of a bunch of guys right out of the gate mm-hmm. so yeah no i liked it I, I thought it was a really good start
1: all right so I, I i liked it too it actually gave more juice into that feud overall mm-hmm. like as far as phases of fear versus Horsemen than i think ever honestly uh we get the three screen crap again which we talked about it's just it's so cluttered like you can't really see anything
0: I love, um, though. I love um, Lee trying to get back to order. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to pull himself up. He's all snorkeling. <laughs> Everything's a mess. <laughs>
1: uh, somebody asked him, like, how are you doing? He's like, how do you think I'm doing? I just got knocked out.
0: He's like <laughs> Scott. Scott at the infamous 2013 dad party. It's on the toilet. Oh, man. Toilet paper dispenser. Yeah. Falling all over the place. Oh, boy. By the way, I have uh, in my nose someone named Jack Boot. Did you name him? That's that Buddy Lee. That's okay, Buddy thought, Lee Parker. Right. They do call him Jack Boot here, though.
1: Yeah, he's Jack Boot, but I, I went with <laughs> Sergeant Buddy Lee
0: Parker. I imagine yeah. you Buddy Lee Parker and having two names for some reason.
1: Yeah. Well, he has the other one, too Colonel, whatever, Dwayne Wayne Bruce, or whatever.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's
1: yeah, yeah, he gets a couple of gimmicks. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, Bagwell has Paige over, but he slides in. Today just calls Mark Curtis, Brian Hildebrand. <laughs> he uses his shoe <laughs> name, so that's good.
0: I love uh, that. There's a moment that has got me. It was was when Jack, <laughs> because I called it out. Jack Boot was holding zone as Tony Rumble gets tossed. And Dusty gets all excited when poor Tony Rumble gets thrown out. He's <laughs> he's like living and dying with this match.
1: Um, so, I mean, uh, kind of the main early portion after the brawl settles down is NWO sort of standing in one corner in yeah. their ring not interacting much if they are interacting they're picking their spots basically beating up disco inferno yeah they can't uh, which out. was hilarious yeah lee when he got back on the headset too, he's pissed larry didn't help out like all these people are mad that larry's not interjecting which i actually think works like with how uh, forceful larry ends up being like it's kind of cool like his growth from tony's mad that he doesn't jump in and lee's mad here and then, like Larry, he mixes it up, but it takes like a year to get mm-hmm. there. Uh, Volano four versus Jeff Jarrett's a wild matchup in ring one that I never thought I would enjoy, but um, there we go. Sergeant Craig Pittman eliminated Pez Watley. Just, <laughs> I mean, what a sentence in 1996 <laughs> WCW. Amazing. Uh, so I mean, the scrubs, like usual, start to kind of thin out. Giants working over Joe Gomez. Uh, dusty he puts over big ron stud which is pretty funny he calls him john stud to start and dusty is a huge ron stud mark because when he started turnbuckle championship wrestling he pushed ron stud so hard mm. like like he loved that guy so there you go uh, a giant eliminated roadblock And kind of an impressive moment yep. uh, And and you know They're just bouncing around So they're bouncing around they're Like here's what's happening in this ring Here's what's happening in this ring They do By like the way, a head, head count
0: I feel like we haven't seen Scott Center in a while So has he been nope. banged up or whatever Yeah he's got to be banged up Yeah, We haven't
1: seen either in a while uh, right. But yeah he's injured um, <clears throat> So uh, Eddie and Dallas Are going after each other A few kind of renewed there Uh, everyone goes after Ron Studd in the corner and then they do like a gang pin on top of him. The Canadians and Duggan fly out. Uh, and then we got what I thought was the dumbest move of the match. So this is where everybody's migrating into one ring, but, uh, Eddie Guerrero jumps over the top rope for a dive to the outside. Well, like he eliminated himself, but they don't call it. So Mm -hmm. I think he just like pulled a savage and right. yeah i forgot so that that was dumb uh then we learned that bagwell had eliminated Riggs, and then he gets eliminated himself so they're both on the outside arguing with each other uh really funny moment where bagwell mocks the overhand clap. <laughs> yes yeah. there are it's so uh, it's such a prick like thing that he does
0: uh Boo like, lasts a while by the way he's oh, uh yeah.
1: he's in there forever there's some scrubs. I mean, Disco is in there for a minute. Um, I mean, right now, my next sentence is Wall Street and Dave Taylor both eliminate each other. So, that, I mean, that's pretty late in the game for them, two, too, too. Uh, Luger goes after six when they all get into one ring. So, now they're in one ring. There's like 30 guys left still, though. So, they got to thin out a lot. Uh, they do that pretty quickly, I thought, where uh, Malenko goes out by Jeff Jarrett so that was interesting but at least like jared eliminated him, so that was fine uh page sends craig Pittman out disco finally gets dumped by nash eddie eliminates stevie ray uh tony's mentioning the halls letting dallas page get back into the ring so that's another kind of thread throughout this match where dallas page is kind of bailing to the outside and then coming back in Ron Studd and Rick Steiner go after it. Ray's able to reverse Arana and send out Ultimate Dragon. So the eliminations are just happening like left and right. Uh, Rick Steiner jumps up, jokes the giant. Jericho goes out from Regal. Uh, So now we're kind of weeded out and we just have the, the, you know, the kind of contenders. So it's still been a three camera shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then which I hate, to, but it does end up in this cool moment where the first time they go to a one-camera shot is this awesome moment where we have four WCW guys, four NWO guys staring off, and then Dallas Page is right dab in the middle. Um, And he ends up going after Eddie, actually, first, too. Uh, So our four WCW guys left are Ray, Eddie, Regal, really great run for regal in this match Mm -hmm. and luger and then all the nwo guys are up. so they go after it crowds up for this uh regal sends out eddie and then ray punches it nash but gets stalked down he charges the giant and then an awesome spot giant just with one arm catches him throws him to eddie on the outside uh, incredible spot there. Hall looks for an outsider's edge on Jarrett, but uh, Regal saves him. Uh, Nash, however, is able to close line him out. Um, he close line Jarrett out, and then Regal ducks and uh, sends Dallas Page out. So again, Regal, this is mm-hmm. this is as big a push as he's gotten.
0: Oh yeah, so great
1: showing for him. So I mean, it's the final six, and he's in there. So all the NWO gangs up and ends up sending Regal out at number six. So now it's the four NWO members and Lex Luger remain. Crowds reel up for this. The NWO huddles up. Uh, Luger comes out striking at everyone. Giant rushes in, but Luger moves. Giant's teetering on the top rope. He goes to rack the giant and has him up at six. Kicks him uh hall puts him in the outsider's edge position but luger's able to back body drop into the outside then he press slam six onto hall in an impressive looking spot forearm smash to nash and nash and kind of teetering on the ropes luger's able to rack him crowds up for that but the giant kind of charges in and both of the guys end up going out so the giant wins world war three uh and they Basically, at the end, it's pretty quick. Like, NWO celebrates, and Luger shows kind of as infamous as he's walking to the back. He holds up the four fingers versus one, saying it was four against one. So, I mean, as a battle royal um, with 60 guys, like, it's bloated. There's certainly some down moments uh, when it's the triple angle after the opening brawl. But uh, between the opening brawl and the final... Like 10 minutes. I thought this was very dramatic. I thought it was booked really well uh, and leaves a lot of kind of open-ended and interesting things to happen. Um, And there were some surprises too like Regal hanging on as long as he did. I don't know if they ever follow up on that. I don't remember. But it's interesting. It's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was for it. And as Battle Royals go I typically don't like Battle Royals. I thought this was a very good iteration of one. Uh, I ended up going three and a quarter here.
0: Yeah, I was a bit lower than you again on this. I went two and three quarters. Um, I just think that bottom, that middle stretch, it's just the the presentation of it really always bugs me with these. The, the triple box, it's like impossible fall. You're really relying on the announcers, and thankfully, they do employ some pretty good announcers that keep it entertaining. Um, the beginning was hot. And I like the ending as well. Uh, I thought you knew it was going to come down to the NWO holding court, so that was good. Uh, but I think. You know, it felt like Luger was going to overcome the odds the way they set it up. So I think it ends up being a really interesting story for Giant to get the win. And now what do we do with him and Hogan, right? Like, that's that's another story, another layer to the NWO we're bringing in. It's presented fine in the moment. They all pose to end the show, which is a pretty iconic pose, where they all kind of stack up and look at the camera. But what's this going to mean is giant going to cash in on this title shot? How's Hogan going to stand that for that? So a lot of questions there, which are pretty good. Um, you know, like we talked about the horseman and dungeon stuff was great. Uh, Eddie, you know, besides the dumb moment, I thought they presented him well throughout most of it. Page gets the long run as you would expect. And then, yeah, I thought Regal dumping him was surprising. I, I I personally, even though I love Regal, I personally would have had that be page because it would have tied in more with him, kind of being, you know, is he with the NWO? Is he not with the NWO, right? Like you could have played up that, that aspect a little bit more in there. Maybe he kind of does something confusing and gets eliminated where they could have played into it. Uh, But the overall, the story's good. It's chaotic, exciting, full props to the announcers. Like I thought they did a great job uh, giving a grasp and a semblance of what's going on. Um, Little Lee Marshall taking the dump was my favorite moment. Uh, I liked it when it gets down to the last 11 with page again, kind of stuck in the middle. Um, Luger in the NWO are smart too. It, It sets up Luger well for a great gutsy battle, continues to position him as maybe like the last warrior standing for WCW right now. If Piper's not assigned for WCW, Flair's hurt, Sting's MIA, Savage is gone. Like Luger's kind of the guy right now and this is the first time we've really gotten that taste of him being positioned that way. So a really strong ending. I just I just think it's so hard to follow and that middle stretch is so clunky. It's like hard to rate it highly, but the, the points that were supposed to connect connected for me.
1: Another lame half star from Meltzer. Oh, God. I don't know. He was, they were really, I don't know. So, that's it. Uh, the Credits run. A couple funny things in the credits is when they show public relations, they have Alan Sharp listed. Yeah, <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah. And then catering tonight was done by Chef Kevin. Oh, not nice Kevin. All,
0: Cock of the Walk, mm-hmm.
1: Kevin. Only other note was JJ Dillon. Uh, noticed he was oh, in, on board. Under, yeah. yeah, under wrestling operations. Okay. So, there you go. All
0: right, let's get to our awards. Uh, see how things shake out. Match of the night for me was uh, quite easily Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Ultimo Dragon. Yep, agreed. Uh, The best moment, I I went the contract signing As much as I wanted to put Lee Marshall falling down um, I thought the contract signing was was Awesome, a great second Yeah,
1: contract signing for me
0: MVP, I think we had a few options I think like Giants in the mix, Lugers in the mix Uh, I ended up going Piper He was just so good in the contract signing He's selling us on Starcade. Hogan's doing well too, but Piper's like single-handedly Selling us on this pay-per-view So um, He was the star of the night
1: (laughs) I think there's a lot of contenders Uh, I'll go Ray Mysterio Okay. Great good in the one. opener. Good in the battle royal.
0: Yeah, he had a good night.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, we talked about a lot of the commentary lines. One other one I had to know was uh, Tony goes, the fans are really into this one, and Dusty goes, the pitch of the fit. <laughs> uh, just one of many great Dusty lines uh, over yeah. Him losing I mean, it over the Sherry stuff was amazing. Jack Boot was good. <laughs> Tony Rumble.
1: Hammock. I mean, yeah. is, they're, they're great. And Bobby seemed like locked in too on this show so it was a great night of commentary
0: uh shots fired i only had one it wasn't really a shot it was more of an observation but tony says he never thought he'd see eric and Vince walk down the aisle together when the NWO comes out. so i thought that was pretty good i
1: didn't even hear that but that's cool yeah i didn't get any others
0: uh no well i don't know (laughs) I didn't mark down debuts. I don't know how nah, you want to it.
1: Yeah, I, I think we can just, you know, forget that with these because Tony Rumble, but I mean, who cares? Yeah, I don't remember
0: yeah. what we did for 95 if we listed yeah. them all. Uh, I don't no, think we so. We didn't, we didn't. So, yeah, is, yeah, there's so many on there. Um, no road report, obviously. I don't think there's any dropped angles. Anything you noticed? Uh, no,
1: like, I mean, I did find it a little weird that, like, Blair wasn't out there with Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Like, we we'll to keep up with that, right? um Kind of seems like now that's over, but um, eh, not big.
0: The uh, so yeah, no dropped angles. I guess that just leaves final grade. So, oh, and no Japanese music. We haven't had that in a while. <laughs> no Japanese music. Um, all right. So, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Ult- Ultimos, Ultimos theme's really cool. Yeah, he's going to want to use this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: so look, again, it was another very good pay-per-view by WCW. I, I think it's a step below the great ones we've covered um, earlier in the year. You know, I think it's a slight dip from Halloween Havoc, which I had at a seven. So I went six and a half on this. I think if Melanchopsychosis Psychosis pops and the Battle Royal is a little tighter, maybe I go a little higher probably, but still a very good pay-per-view. I mean, look, if six and a half is on the lower end of since the modern NWO stretch here, it's it's probably the lowest one, but that's still pretty damn good.
1: Do uh, I know we had to change our sheet? Is my Halloween
0: Havoc grade on that?
1: I'm not looking at it.
0: Yeah, uh, let me check real quick. Okay. Your Havoc, you had eight out of ten. Okay. Good. I'm going seven and a half here.
1: Um, okay. I, I thought this. I thought this was not a great show, but I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to me like only the French Canadians match is the only thing that really drug it's 12 to 15 minutes uh, I do think we needed like another great match for it to be a great show but you know main event I thought was good to really good mm-hmm. I really like the tag match opener I think is amazing and the contract signings memorable and amazing um, it, did it surprise inter- you how much you like the show? it did I mean I I, I thought i, I I do remember like liking the show more than most. I actually thought I liked Psychosis versus Malenko, so that's mm. kind of why I said that's a fulcrum too. Because when I rewatched the show, like with how much I was liking it, I was like, "Oh, this thing's gonna be monster." And then that match happened, and I was like, "Oh boy!" Uh, but then I didn't remember liking the tag match as much, so it kind of equaled out. Um, but um, I-, I think this is a tough show to compare to um, Survivor Series. I think it's interesting because. For me, like, the lows on Survivor Series are way lower. Uh, like, that 23-minute Survivor Series match is dreadful. Um, and even something like Mankind versus uh, Taker, like, I mm-hmm. thought the triple threat tag match here was more intense and a better brawl than that match was. So, it's just just what it is. Like, I mean, I right. think, obviously, Brian Knobbs is better than Mick Foley, career wise but on that night yeah that's just how i feel but uh, i mean the highs on survivor series are, are higher high. yeah uh but um as far as like watching i i don't know like i mean if you ask me to watch a show again start to finish i may pick this which i think is a little bit of an upset but i would just, agree i mean yeah yeah
0: all right well let's do our combo awards um see how that shakes out so i mean i think combo grades so, like we both have survivor Series higher so it's just, is what it is um yeah
1: i mean i think i I mean again like survivor series i mean we talked about it when we did that show but like if even if Shawn michael i mean even if austin versus brett was like a really good to great match like that being an all-timer to me helps that show become great like it's not what i would consider a or a great show uh without that
0: right right um so that's the second straight year you probably can't say this for many data pay-per-views but for november they own it so far <laughs> we had a 95 sorry series B, world yeah
1: pay-per-view. i mean it'll be interesting like obviously i don't think
0: 98
1: uh world war three is gonna beat survivor series 98 i don't know uh world war Three ninety seven versus survivor series 97 that's a whole ball of wax when we get to it but that's probably the only. That'll be the only chance for World War Three to beat Survivor right. Series head to head, and then so, you get like May, Mayhem, maybe.
0: WDF also yeah. won February, March, and May? Um, yeah. So February was the New house Six against Super Brawl, which obviously we were pretty down on. Uh, March WrestleMania, and then May Beware we of Dog over Slam was probably. I mean that
1: both show. both of those shows were bad. I mean, I mean WCW wasn't good on pay per view till June.
0: No, yeah, uncensored was bad. bad. Then they turned it way around. Like it's one of the biggest turnarounds. Mm-hmm. They didn't yeah. just get like watchable. Like it went from dog shit to great <laughs> real quick. Because yeah. I think Super Brawl. Then we have like as a freaking two or something. It was oh, like-
1: it was bad. It was three. I mean, yeah. You just think like even like last year for Fall Brawl we had that dreadful bunkhouse bug. slayer tag match. I mean that's what I'm saying. Like even like Canadians versus Harlem Heat wasn't good on this show, but it was eight minutes. And yeah. a year ago they were getting 15, 18 I mean it was double. So pay-per-view, WCW on pay-per-view, like again we'll see with uh sold out. Like I remember really liking Starcade too. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in calling at this point. Like not having rewatched Starcade, but how I know I feel about that show. I'm pretty confident in calling June through December. 96 wcw is one of the better pay-per-view runs maybe the best uh pay-per-view hit wrestling history like, yeah, it's I'm close
0: and we'll I see know. starcade I, mean, I remember liking starcade <laughs> so we'll see oh yeah,
1: yeah yeah i remember starcade being really good to great i mean i think after that 97 is more inconsistent but that that run of that'd be what seven shows
0: yeah that's really good
1: it's I mean, the probably worst the best
0: seven-stroke stretch ever. I would yeah, definitely.
1: worst show of those sevens either this or World Wild, so right. Hog Wild, whatever.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Super Raw, I give it three. Uncensored was a five, which is probably an upset. Slam was a four and a half. So I mean, we we had some pretty low-level. Yeah. I also, Bash was off. I think so.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, they hadn't been. They were decent to okay mm-hmm. in '95. And then the early '96 pay-per-views were just bad. So, all
0: right, best match, Hart Austin. Yeah. Okay. Best segment, contract signing. Yep. What did we go with for segment for Survivor Series? Was uh. I mean, there really wasn't any Sid winning like, the title. We went so yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, better commentary. World War Three. Yeah,
1: this is dusty. this is tough. I, I I I think. Yeah, it's tough though. I do like. Ross and the Austin Brett match, but I'd say World War Three is more consistent, probably. Top to bottom,
0: star of the night. I mean, we went with Sid at Survivor Series. I think he's probably stood out more than anyone on this night.
1: Uh, did I go Sid too?
0: Um, I think I you Austin, went Austin, right? Oh yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. No, you don't. I don't have it on here.
1: Oh, it was Austin. Um, I I, I guess Sid.
0: I mean, there's, there's a few options. Sid is Austin. I mean, you mentioned Ray, Piper. Like, they're all in the mix. I think when you leave that show, Sid, with the title Standing Over Sean, like, that's kind of the moment. Okay. If we're not going to give him a moment, I think that's the guy. Uh, ratings?
1: Yes. <laughs> Who knows?
0: So, there's
1: a lot of back and forth here, because uh, they're not, like, officially published. Indeed, wrestling has WCW buy rates. There's an article called Deciphering WCW Buy Rates, which has pro wrestling history. Mm-hmm. There's a GER, which is an old German website. There's the Wrestling Reserve archives that they use, and then there's some PWO data as well. Um, so all that to say, they have this one as a .56, or no, sorry, 200,000 buys. Uh, What I could see on Survivor Series is a lot of conflicting reports, Um, but it seems like it's a 0.58 buy rate and 199,000 buys. So it's like 1,000 more buys for World War III. Uh, Maybe they were just in less pay-per-view markets, so that's why like the buy rates higher on. I don't. I don't know. It's weird. Well, was WWF doing their direct T V thing? They were, right? I think so. So that would make sense that their buy rate would be higher, but they'd be slightly less, right, on overall. Um, so so you, yeah, I, I would we'll say WC, our Okay. I would no. I'd say WCW just buy like a nose, but okay. I mean it's it's there's as tie as they can get. Yeah. All right.
0: Really. All fine. right. So that uh, does it. Uh, our november pay-per-views are in the books we'll be back in two weeks time we'll be covering the follow-up to the show november 25th night show and raw raw we kind of in that middle of no man's land uh, you know a few weeks out from the next pay-per-view so we'll see how they follow up but it was a pretty good follow-up to um sorry sir so we'll see if they keep the momentum going on that uh that said we'll have another uh like i said we'll be back in two weeks we are final one of 2022 chats so it's kind of crazy already um our final uh war zone of our what third year on the north south so mm,
1: yeah on north South. yeah,
0: yeah. uh mm-hmm. we're gonna have a little schedule change coming in 23 as well so we'll talk about that i think on our next episode just kind of where you can find us moving forward from there but other than that we're gonna go to wrap things up thank you for all your support continue to listen to everything on north south connection podcast network chat I'm JT we're out smell the napalm we'll talk to you in